Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio, and it is the 14th of September, 2023. Thank you for being with us today or on the archives. And, you know, we archive everything at ace-ed.org, which is the home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education, of which Education Talk Radio is the voice. That's me, Larry Jacobs. I'm the voice, actually. Okay, so it's a pleasure to have you here today. We're going to have a nice show talking about teaching culturally, linguistically, economically diverse, gifted students. Okay, and we're going to have that conversation with Sheila Gallagher. Dr. Gallagher is the president of NAGC, the National Association for Gifted Children. So it's going to be a nice conversation. Okay, we'll archive it over at ace-ed.org. I've got NAGC linked up on site. All right, if you go over to ace-ed.org, that's the home website of our consortium for equity. And our magazine is over there, and all the podcasts are over there, and our Excellence in Equity Awards information is over there. So please check it all out. It's all free over at ace-ed.org. And if you want to get in touch with me, it's Larry at ace-ed.org about anything we're talking about or something you'd like us to talk about. And uh, we get a lot of of, uh, nice emails. So please, if you want to get in touch, get in touch. Okay. Without further ado, Sheila, good morning. How are you? I'm fine, Larry. How are you today? I am fine. It's nice to uh, have you back. And I just want to make sure you're talking on the speakerphone or right into your phone. Uh, speakerphone. Off the off the speakerphone and talk right into the phone. Otherwise, people can't hear you clearly. Okay. Yeah, see, the much better. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. And I, okay, I do good. that with everybody these days because so many people use the speakerphone and they don't realize, you know, what they're doing because it's so easy to do. Okay. Uh, that that people sometimes can't hear them. So thanks, Sheila. I appreciate that. Okay? Sure thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Before we go talk about what, what our subject, I want to just mention, and you're welcome to say whatever you want about it, coming up on the, uh, the November 9th in beautiful Orlando, okay, through the 12th, <laughs> is the NAGC uh, conference, the annual conference. So do you want to just say anything about that before we talk about what we're going to be talking about? Well, we're very excited. It's actually the 70th anniversary of our convening, uh, and so we're looking forward to being at Walt Disney World in Orlando to have a big celebration of our time advocating for gifted and talented students of all sorts. We've got a broad and diverse program planned with lots of different um, germane topics that will speak to the issues of the day. So I'm really looking forward to having a wonderful group at NAGC. There will be a wonderful group, and uh, you can go over to NAGC.org, all right, and and you'll see the big information there about the uh, conference and all that. And by the way, this is fun. I'm just going to tell you this because I happen to like trains. Starting next week, the Brightline train, you can actually take it. It's a beautiful ride. You can go from Orlando to Miami by train. Okay, wow. and it's it's a it's bright line. It's called Brightline, and it's owned by Richard Branson, and it's a beautiful service. It's been in operation on the East Coast, and now they're expanding it all the way to Orlando. And I, if, if anybody <laughs> likes trains or wants a different kind of travel, that's a good way to do it. Okay, so I have to tell people that because I think it's kind of cool. All right, and it's a neat Florida well, thing in Orlando, Miami. There you go. Yes, you were going to say. Oh, I was just uh, echoing your 
endorsement of trains. I love trains. Yeah, they're fun. They're fun. It's a nice way mm-hmm. to travel. And uh, a lot of people don't know that because there's not a lot of train scheduling out in the Midwest and all that sort of stuff. But I'm telling you, here on the East Coast, it's really good. And uh, more people should take advantage of it. Now you can in Florida. And it's really a cool service, that bright line. Okay. I want to talk. Let's get back into this uh, or get into it, actually. Teaching culturally and linguistically. Diverse, gifted students. And mm-hmm. this is an interesting challenge, Sheila, okay, because um, it's, hard to, it's hard to get the resources, et cetera, okay, to teach the, the average gifted student. But now you add in all the equity questions, cultural differences, linguistic differences, economic differences, okay? What did you learn from your colloquium? This is really – it's important well, stuff. It's hard. It is. It's really hard, and it's so hard that one of the first things that we have realized is that we can't do this alone, right? We are an advocacy organization where we stand up for gifted and talented students from everywhere, every day. But uh, we need partners to really uh, a meaningful difference in the lives of this particular group of kids, the culturally, linguistically, and economically diverse gifted student. And so what we wanted to do with our colloquium, which was called the Dream Unencumbered, yes. was to bring new partners <clears throat> to the table, right? And we took a look at some of the data. For instance, I don't know if you were aware of this, but if you looked at the recent National Assessment of Educational Progress report, you would see that in fourth grade mathematics, 23% of Asian students scored at the advanced level, right, the very highest level, compared to 10% of white students, compared to 1% of black students. Wow. Uh, wow. It's an wow. enormous gap. Wow. Yes, yeah, it's really stunningly awful. And yes. we really need to be addressing this very directly because that has nothing to do with the kids and everything to do with the system. Yeah, I, I'm going to ask you to, to explain that last comment a little bit more, and I, I, I think it's a very important comment. I think it has to do with the – I'm not, I don't know. Okay, well, when you said it doesn't have to do with the kids, it has to do with the system, okay? But yet we're talking about mm-hmm. specific ethnic groups. What system are we talking about? In other words, why well, are we finding of- this? Why are we finding this? I got, let me ask the question as I'm trying to uh, get the words out here. Um, mm-hmm. Why aren't we finding that – there's black kids are doing great in mathematics. Why, why are Asian kids doing great? Where's the systemic difference? Okay. Where's the systemic difference between Latino kids and black kids, white kids. And you know what I mean? Where, where is that? Where's yeah. the system? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the systemic is actually lots of differences, right? And that's yeah. why it's systemic, you know, it's, and I mean, really the thing that we're trying to take on is the idea that some kids, these kids are really encumbered by lack of access. You ah, know, it doesn't okay. matter if you're identified gifted, if there are no courses in your school that are advanced enough to meet your needs. Um, there are cultural stigmas, right? Expectation that these kids can't be gifted or kids in a Title I school, we're not going to have gifted kids in that school that's a myth oh no we do have gifted kids there we just haven't identified them and we haven't given them the curriculum they need and the teachers they need right or we yeah they're there exactly right yeah they're there or i'm I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here but you know you you know what i mean yeah the kids are there the kids are there the kids are there the kids are there there's recent research in our field 
that suggests that if all you did was go back and look at the test reports, right, and look at is anybody in my school scoring above average, the kids are there. You just have to think to look for them, and then you have to take time out to provide them with resources so they can continue to thrive. You, yes, you do. It's unbelievable. So, I, I, so I'm thinking because I, I watched that show on PBS this week about the the busing challenge in, 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 that went on in Boston in the in the 80s yeah. and 90s. I don't know if anybody else mm-hmm. watched it, but the whole thing. Did you see it? I don't know if you did. Did you see it? I didn't, but I've done research into that era. I'm yeah, really just aware it's of really a good show. Happening. It's a public broadcasting yeah. PBS. And the the my point is that the, the the challenge was that the schools in the black neighborhoods weren't were totally under resourced, and the kids the, the 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 schools in the white neighborhoods were not. They were perfectly well right. resourced, and to solve they the the city and the state probably spent hundreds of millions of dollars with the busing and all that. And the fact of the matter is the parents, no, no, none of the parents wanted this. They wanted their kids to stay in the neighborhood. If they had only put the money into resourcing the schools, the whole situation would have been handled one, two, three, and everybody would have been happy. Okay. And the fact that we still have the under-resourced schools, look at, this is a country right now that can't afford to lose any hot brains. Okay. The cult, right. the, uh, the gifted kids and, and, you know, if the kids come in all 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 sorts, all colors, all differences, et cetera, et cetera. But if if we don't go to the best and the brightest, okay, we're we're losing something, all right. And it's it, this is this is it. I said this a million times with you. We we it, it, we we got to stop this. This is absurd, okay. It's absurd. It well, what you well, at your colloquium where this was discussed? Mm-hmm. What what did they say was the answer? There obviously is not an easy answer, but what what are they looking for? Who, who were they? I'm talking about they. Who were they? Okay. Well, um, we had a very interesting group of attendees, and I was very excited that for one of the first times we got to bring to the table people from the teachers' unions, the American Federation of Teachers and the National Education Association, from organizations like Quality Education for Minorities, uh, people who represented Latino uh, educators, people who represented school psychologists, career and technical education, all of the people we need at the table to help solve the problem for for these kids. So it was really a very exciting time to have new conversations and to gather new perspectives because I think one of the things we were concerned about was there was something about the problem that we were missing, right? And so we wanted to make sure that we had time to be in conversation with people who deal with this problem from a different perspective every day so that we could hear what they have to say. Um, In terms of what we learned from them, I think there were surprises on both sides. For me, the biggest surprise was the level of investment they brought to the table. Like, I was hoping people would come and they would hear what we had to say, but they leaned in. There was deep concern, and it really spoke to me about the fact that there is an undercurrent of interest in this issue that we need to bring to the surface as a national organization and really Hmm. uh, continue the conversation in an interdisciplinary way. So they want they had questions, like they wanted answers, they wanted action. So that was really reinforcing, uh, and it was a wonderful outcome of the day. But I would say one of the biggest surprises 
that our participants learned was that they were unaware of the fact that teachers in the regular classroom or administrators don't receive any information about gifted students in their pre-service education. That's right. And the extent to which that exacerbates the problem. Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's yeah. Right. So if we could it's that simple. Just one it's ridiculous. Little quick fix, yeah. It is yeah. it is pretty at that level, you know, that piece of it is really easy. Like let's give teachers information about gifted kids, about the different ways they look in different contexts, about what to do when you find a kid like that who could go yeah. a step further than his or her classmates, then that solves a layer of the problem. It improves, and this is key, it would improve teacher referrals to the next level of programming, right? Because one of the things we find right now is that while it's necessary to have teachers involved in the referral process, they don't have the right information to choose the kids who could benefit the most, right? So when you have right. a creative child of color sitting in the back of the classroom, bored out of their mind and, you know, doing what creative kids do when they're bored, yes. well, if it's a child of color, they're much more likely to be disciplined than rewarded or nurtured uh -huh. with extra programming. Frightening stuff. It really is. And, you know, it, it, it always reminds me, you know, uh, the old statement, Occam's razor, where the simplest solution is usually the easiest. I think that's Occam's razor. The simplest solution <laughs> is, is the easiest. Okay. And the simplest yeah. solution, you know, instead of blubbling around with all these ideas and all this sort of stuff, if we just in teacher education or in teacher professional development started mm -hmm. to devote some time to gifted students, all right? But again, it's it's a prejudice. I I think against gifted students, people think, oh, these kids are fine. Mm -hmm. They're the smartest. They'll, they'll, they'll be good. uh uh. Sorry, doesn't work that way. We I I think we lose as many as we gain because people don't even know what they're looking for. Okay, it's that yeah, simple. I, and and I'm curious about this when you mentioned all the groups that were at that, that were at the colloquium, which was called the, the Dream Unencumbered. Okay, I have. To, were there any parent groups there? Because I think. I'm not sure, but I think let's just let's just talk about one group, okay? If a lot of African American parents in a given neighborhood say, "What are you doing for our gifted kids? If, do we have any gifted kids?" You know, schools are so interested in being heroes to their community these days. It might start a groundswell from the grassroots, okay? That people just want to want their kids tested for this, and if they are tested, yes. then we have the now what? Okay, where's where's the grassroots stuff start? If that matters. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we had a student panel at the colloquium. And oh, some of what those kids had to say was the most powerful. And, of course, their parents brought them. So we did have those parent voices in the room. And I would have to agree with you, Larry, that one of the things that parents of color really want for their gifted child is for that child to be seen. Right. Simply to be seen and recognize well, that this child well, has the same qualities of yeah. other identified gifted students, the same qualities, the same needs, and those needs go beyond the academic and into social and emotional supports. Oh, without question. Without question. And mm -hmm. I want to ask you this. I want to, I'm not sure about this, but Sheila, you'll, you'll know this, and that is 
Do our, our, I, I want to clear this up for everybody. Are a lot of the kids we're talking about, do they have other special education needs beyond the fact that they are gifted? Absolutely. What are you finding? Thank you for yeah. raising that. Yeah, yes. it's an important we find question. That a substantial portion of gifted students, and especially the highly gifted, also have other exceptionalities. So they might be identified as ADHD. They might have a a learning challenge like uh, dyslexia. They may have autism spectrum disorder. So there's lots that can go on in addition to. So, yeah, these things don't happen in isolation. The brain is a complicated place. And, uh, And we often find that there are constellations of exceptionalities going on. Yeah, you know, it's funny you should say the brain is a complicated place. My, my, one of my oldest friends is a big-time neuroscience professor at Columbia, Stuart Firestein. That one of my oldest buddies I've known has been a day in my life when we didn't know each other. And uh, he teaches for fun. He teaches the, or at least he used to teach the 101 course in neuroscience at Columbia. And he mm. said, I would walk in. The kids have to get this textbook. It's about 2,000 pages thick. And he said, if you look at the book, you think we know everything about the brain, okay? And he said, basically, we know about 1% of what's going on in the brain, okay? So the book, the 2,000-page book, is donated to 1%, dedicated to 1% of of the brain's phenomenal usage, okay? And you're right. It is complicated what's going out there. And on that note... I have I don't know what to say this. The special education teacher is always thought of, okay, as the teacher with the great patience who's handling kids that are having really serious challenges, okay. And gifted is, is a challenge too, but it's it's a, that's, to me it's a happier challenge, okay. And if we got to make sure that people understand the special ed teacher also is with the gifted. It's it's a very important little thing that matters, okay. You the, the special ed teacher. And the gifted teacher can be one and the same person. Am I right? I mean, it's, it's an important uh, uh, example of what we're trying to do here. We've got to change the perception. I don't know how to say that. Help me. Absolutely. Well, definitely the special ed teacher is one of the key people who needs to yeah. have a solid background in what giftedness looks like so that they know. Because one of the things that we find within our field is that one of the most important things to do for a child who we call twice exceptional, right? Gifted yes. and another I just did exceptionality. Yeah, a show on that a couple of days ago. The, yeah. Okay. Just, that's why you sound Great. so smart about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, one of the things that we find is that often they'll say, well, we're going to wait and remediate this problem before we address the giftedness. But that's all wrong. That's a disincentive, actually, to the gifted child. Hmm. The most important thing is that they're getting their gifted education services while the other issues exactly. are being addressed. Exactly. So that it's a both and and not an either or. Yeah, and gifted is good. I mean, gifted is really good. Your, your child is gifted. That's a good thing. You know, and you think people would be up in arms to, uh, to make sure that the gifted program is a, is a good, solid one for everybody. School districts should be up in arms because they're missing kids. It, and the, what, what's more fun than having a kid succeed so well? If you're an educator, I don't know. And, and it goes is, beyond that. You yeah. Know, I, I, I think there's a lot of um, in, informed self-interest in terms of recognizing that when gifted kids do well, it's good for the economy. It's good for 
uh, national prosperity. It's good for a lot of things that are good for all of us. So it's not just that we're helping one child and one family, but we're really raising the boat for everybody when we take care of these kids because they are the ones who have the greatest chance of becoming the future problem solvers and the national Mm. leaders of our future. So it, it is in our best interest to take care of them so that they're using their abilities for good. No, without, without, as opposed to evil, that they're using their abilities, period. Okay, then we're not talking Lex Luthor here, but we need to get make, make sure right, that these, exactly. yes, <laughs> these, these, they're not all shaving their heads and wearing all black, okay, and creating, yeah, uh, yeah robots. Okay, and, you know, it's that simple. We are really, we, we can't, we are always missing the boat on this, in my opinion. And there, there, there is yeah. some, uh, to me, is there's some prejudice built in. Okay, and it's been there for a long, long time. I don't know what it is. I don't know how it, how you get over it, but that's what it is. And I think one of the ways you get over it, and I think this is important, is is teacher training. Okay, yeah. you know, the, again, the student body is so diverse now. All right, and again, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard enough to find a kid in a wealthy suburban school that's gifted, but it culturally, linguistically, economically diverse, gifted students. I mean, we've got to find these kids. This is what it's all about. It's not just language. It's 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 you know it's it's really getting into the nitty gritty with these kids. And we help the school district. We help everybody if we do it. And I'm curious yeah. about something else. You know, you said um, the career and technical education CTE folks were there, okay? Mm-hmm. And that that struck me as really interesting. And not that kids who love CTE aren't gifted, but I was curious. When how did they get involved? How do they see themselves? Okay, involved in this. This uh, this one was interesting. It's well, an area I, I, I don't normally all, think of with gifted. That that's why I guess that's why I'm thinking of it. And I know it's all STEM and all that sort of thing. I'm I'm just curious. Yeah, well, I think first of all, it's important to recognize that CTE is expanding quickly as a field, and that it deals Absolutely. with a lot of different branches of career and technical education fields. That's right. But. But for us, you know, it's a question of not every gifted child from any neighborhood is going to be college-bound. But we want them to be using their advanced abilities productively in whatever they do. So why don't we have advanced courses in career and technical education fields? That's a great point. They, They very rarely have the basic and then the honors or advanced level. And so we'd like to see kids have the opportunity to thrive and excel and expand their abilities in whatever area of endeavor they choose, whatever their passion point is. And that includes career and technical education. That's a great point. And is anybody doing that? Putting out advanced courses in CTE? We're looking for partners who are willing to go on that experimental journey with us. Boy, I hope you find them. I hope we can play a part in that. To me, that's really important. That's that's really that's a, that's an incredibly cool way to look at this. Okay, and I and get, wow, that, that strikes me as really something that we should talk. So where are where are we now? We're looking for partners. How are we doing with all this? What, it, what you know? Well, we had I'm the really... meeting. You guys had the meeting at HEC. Okay, you got all right. that information. Okay, and now you're looking for partners. What else is going on with this? Well, we are busy taking our next steps. Um, there will be a report, and that will be issued in the next few months. We'll make sure you know about that when it happens. Thank um, you. 
we have we have started inviting some of these people into the room with us again for other opportunities for conversation and we're going to be forming a group to take a look at what are our next steps going to be because there is good work already going on and i think part of what we need to do is just highlight that so for mm -hmm. instance, can i tell you about one of the presentations by a woman who is the head of an international baccalaureate school on the Navajo Nation in New Mexico. You know, yes, that's you can tell me that. That's wonderful. Highlighting and bringing to the forefront. Yes, yeah. I mean, she was a fascinating person and talking about the challenges of running a high-powered school like that uh, on the Native American Nation where they receive significantly less per people funding, but they're doing it. Yeah. Or another woman in Florida who's starting something called Xavier House, which is a foster home specifically for gifted students who are in the foster wow. care system so that they get the support wow. and nurturing they deserve. Yeah. So there's exciting stuff, pockets of excellence going on that we want to bring to the forefront and show people what can be done if we really put our minds and wills towards it. Who do you want to lead that charge? Okay, do you want the gifted educators? Do you want the where, where, where's that going? Who's who's going to who's going to take the bull by the horns in that case? Who's going to do it? Well, How are you going to get it out there? I think I'll help. I think NAGC. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think NAGC is the natural starting place for that kind of uh, advocacy and information dissemination. Um, and as I said, you know, we're interested in forming coalitions because I don't think it's just going to be one organization that that takes care of this issue. I, I do think that it's going to be a systemic approach. It has to be. It has to be. And, I, and I'll tell you, I, and I say this each time we do a show together, me and NHEC, we can't afford to lose these kids, okay, for obvious yeah. reasons, just because they're, they're kids and no kids should be, should be lost, all right? But in this case, all right, we're, we're just wasting the brain power we need for whatever reason. And then... We 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 really have to get it together. We and it has and I, I just want to say again, and I've been railing on this lately. You know, we got to get teacher education to the point where they they understand this. I, I I always say, you know, my my degree in education is a bachelor of science, but there was no science involved. Hmm. Okay, there was no science, but in reality, learning is a science. The the neuroscience of learning. Okay, the science of reading, all this sort of stuff. Yes. But it was never taught, okay? And we have to start changing the way we look at training an educator. And when we do that, okay, we increase the prestige of the brand, all right? We make people yes. understand that these are highly trained people and, and we can do this, all right? It's tough, but we can do it, all right? Sheila, this was great. Thank you so much. I love having you come, come on. I really appreciate all the info. Thanks, Larry. And I assume you love will be, Madam President. You will be, Madam President, in Orlando November 9th, I would assume? Yes. Yes, I will. Okay. Everybody, when you see Sheila, go, hail to the chief. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Sheila. I appreciate it. Okay? You take care. Thank you, Larry. Thank you. Bye-bye. You. Bye. <laughs> Sheila Gallagher, everybody, who, by the way, spells her first name S-H-E-L-A-G-H. I a little touch of Ireland. Okay, right in there. That was my Irish accent, everybody. We're going to archive the show at ace-ed.org, and I hope you share it with people. I'm Larry Jacobs. You want to get in touch with me? Larry at ace-ed.org. Thanks for listening.